Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, part of the Believe Network. We're coming to you just under a week away from the Revolution kicking off their CONCACAF Champions Cup with our annual Bold Predictions episode. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Seth Maycomer of the Blazing Musket. Seth, how's it going? Sean, so happy that you do this yearly podcast so I can be reminded that Skype is still a thing. So thank you for that. <laughs> we, we, we also always do this podcast so uh, Cursed Revs on uh, Twitter can have content for the year. They can come back and review this and pull out all of our terrible predictions. Um, so you are welcome, Cursed Revs, on Twitter. <laughs> also joining us today, uh, Tom Pinzone from The Blazing Musket. Tom, how you doing? Great, great. I'm excited that uh, the season's finally going to get going next week and we can start to start to see how uh, everything's going to look. I, I know you are not on social media, but I'll be sure to let you know whenever somebody pulls up one of your predictions and makes fun of you. So uh, don't don't you worry. <laughs> uh, before we jump into it, I want to take a quick moment to mention our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year, and also soccer. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today and become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts all right let's jump right into our predictions i think we have a lot of them today they're brought to you by our friends at the rebellion supporters group be sure to check them out on twitter at any rebellion or their website anyrebellion.org. first off it's been a kind of a quiet off season uh it started with a bang new coach kurt Anolfo announced the sporting director but not a lot of player moves uh this off season to improve the team um jonathan mensa brought in to improve the back line uh, but I'm, I'm curious, what is your thoughts on this offseason and the moves the Revolution made, and what grade would you give them? Uh, I'll start with you, Seth. I'll go with a B. Um, I think that you, what you see a lot of pundits saying is that this Revolution team had a lot of pieces already. Um, obviously, they bring back Thomas Chancole. That's a DP deal. We'll see. Hopefully, he will uh, obviously earn that title and play up to that title. Uh, he was very good in his his. Uh, half season with the new England revolution last year. Um, he brought in some pieces to have more of a one, two, you know, a first lineup and a second lineup, uh, Nick Lima, you know, being a, a valuable piece at right back because Brandon by is going to miss some time. Uh, so you have some flexibility there. Um, you also bring in Ravas, uh, Thomas Vasily goes away. Uh, it's a buyout that happens. That's a really hard one in my opinion, because you buy out a player who never ends up playing just signed in the second division of uh, Spain pretty low down there, uh, but then you bring in a player uh, that's just coming over and you're spending a, a pretty heavy um, amount of money on him, a transfer fee on him. But if that's the guy that's supposed to be there, then I guess that's what you have to do. It's kind of a, a reset at that position. And Hitchcock, from my understanding, is really high on this individual. And he looks pretty good in the union uh, preseason game. Maybe in some of the other highlights we've seen, maybe not as good. Uh, but if he ends up being the guy, then 
it's okay to spend the money on that. I think the other thing I would look at is that there is some flexibility with this team. Uh, we saw that Elbert, uh, at least was someone that they were potentially going to bring in. He's a winger that could maybe play up top. Someone that was MLS ready that actually didn't end up happening. It was decently close from my understanding. Um, but if they were willing to spend money there, it really makes you wonder if they have flexibility later on. So as Caleb Porter gets to know his team more and more, maybe we see something in the, uh, the middle of the season in the summer transfer window. So, you know, I, I think that the moves that were done were, were fine. There's nothing that's a big splash, but again, I think a lot of the lineup was, was pretty set and looking pretty good on paper. And that flexibility makes me feel comfortable giving it a B. So Seth says B Tom, what is your thoughts on this off season? What grade are you giving it? Uh, yeah, I, I also gave it a B. Uh, I think they, you know, they made a couple of small moves to bring in, you know, Lima and Mensa. Um, it seems like a cover, you know, especially with with the last update we had on by, uh, you know, they said late summer. So, you know, that could be that could be into September, really. Uh, so I don't think you can really rely on him too, too much. So Lima gives them depth of that position. Um, I, Hopefully he, I didn't think he looked all that great yesterday, but that's, you know, that's just one preseason game. So hopefully he improves a little bit from there. Uh, you know, the whole goalkeeping situation, uh, you know, whatever happened, happened. You had to, you had to waste your, your one free, uh, you know, releasing of a player. You know, I think it was three days into the year, uh, but Ravas, you know, he comes in with a good reputation. Uh, their international acquisitions, you know, have mostly come good. Uh, so I think, you know, he'll be fine. He looked good yesterday. Uh, you know, Edwards is is a solid enough backup uh, if, you know, if, if you need some time out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think there was really a whole lot that they needed to do. The Trunkalai thing it was a painfully obvious move to make and get it done if they could get it done, and they did. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's a B. You know, they, they didn't – I don't think there was really any huge massive holes that were screaming out that needed to be filled. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the crisis of not having a third striker seems to continue to bother people. Uh, but, you know, it, it, aside from that, I don't really think there's too, too much to worry about uh, with the depth of the roster going into the season. Yeah, I'm a little bit more negative than both of you. I'm going to give them a C. Um, I agree with a lot of the things you said. I, I do think that the striker situation is worrying. You know, they lost Gustavo Bo, um, who was a good goal scorer for this team. And I think there's a lot of reliance now on Giacomo Rioni to once again come good for this offense. And he got a lot of chances this past season, and I don't think he showed enough. I was one of the people that going into this past offseason said the, the, the way this season is going to play out for the Revs really relied on how well Giacomo Rioni did. Uh, Revs did pretty well up until the Bruce Arena incident without Rioni. I think this year with Gustavo Ball off the roster, it's even more important that they get something out of their designated player striker. Um, and I think, you know, with him and Wood, you know, you need a lot of goals out of those two guys, and I'm just not sure they're going to get it. So that's that's one area that I would have liked to have seen them find another way to address up top. Um, I think Mensa was a good signing. I think they need defensive depth. I think we're already seeing Henry Kessler missing some preseason action. We haven't heard what that's about, but that's a little bit worrying because we know he's you know got an injury history. Uh, they re-signed him for a long-term deal. Don't know how much money that is. They re-signed Dewan Jones. That's that's great news. Um, it's important that the refs hold on to him. I think the Nick Lima signing was very smart for all the reasons you guys mentioned. Um, and I think the you know bringing Chonkalai was smart. Um, you know, kind of a no-brainer. They already had that option on his contract. Of course, they're going to pick that up with how he was playing. Um, but yeah, I think defensively they added some good depth. Offensively, it would have been nice to see them find a way to bring in another striker. And to to Seth's earlier point. 
kind of using they do have some roster flexibility it sounds like based on on you know who they were going out to potentially sign and not working out which is good uh but they lost a little bit of roster flexibility by having to use the buyout on Vasleek. if you get to mid-season now and things are really really bad with Rioni and you want to cut bait and you know bring in another striker you're gonna have to find somebody that wants to buy him or take him on a free transfer and and, and get him willing to leave at that point you're not going to have the option of using that buyout again um so i think that takes away a little bit of your flexibility and i i was somewhat hopeful that the Revs might be able to find a way to get Vasleek on a mutual termination and find another club for him to go to and not have to waste that buyout on him. But um, I think that's you know kind of unfortunate. So um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with both of your Bs and, and give them a C on this offseason uh, with the caveat that there's still a little bit of time to do something to address the situation up top. I just don't expect at this point. Um, with that, and based on that offseason grade, where do you think the Revs finish this year? And Tom, I'll start with you for this one. Uh, I think they, you know, I think they'll finish in in fourth or somewhere in the top four. Um, I mean, <laughs> the most important thing with MLS is just to get into the playoffs. So, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I mean, I, I don't really think it matters. I don't remember the last time that the the number one seed, you know, didn't happen when the Revs had the best regular season in the history of MLS. Uh, you know, a team that barely slipped into the playoffs, like the last day of the season goes on and wins the whole thing. Uh, but they certainly have a roster that is capable of of finishing in the top four, uh, which gives them an opportunity to have, you know, home playoff games, at least in the second round, if they can get through the, you know, the convoluted uh, three round or three game first round. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of talent there. Porter seems to have a plan. He's got some big ideas. He seems pretty confident about those uh, plans and ideas. And that I think is is a bit more than what we were getting from Bruce in years past, where it was very difficult to tell what exactly the plan was. Uh, you know, when, when you have players, uh, I think it was Polster. Polster was amazed that his coach had planned out training for the month. I don't understand how a professional soccer player can be amazed that his coach uh, has a plan for training in preseason. So I think that's a, a, an indication as to things might be a little bit more uh, organized and the players might have a better understanding of, of what it is that they should be doing when they're on the field. Uh, so that combination, I, I think, is going to see them finish uh, you know, safely in, in the top four and make the playoffs uh, without much issue. Seth, you got him higher or lower than that? Yeah, four was actually what I was going to, too. So I think maybe if in future podcasts, Tom and I can't be on the same ones uh, because we're just echoing each other. I think that's a good spot for them to be. Um, you know, four or five, I think, would be a good place. You know, I, th- I agree with Tom that I think if you're the revolution, you want to try to get as many home games as possible. Uh, usually they're very good at home as opposed to the road. But we have a little bit of a different coach here. Uh, Caleb Porter, we obviously know. Everyone keeps saying it. He won an MLS Cup in, in Portland. He won an MLS Cup in uh, Columbus. And he's trying to do that with his third team. And, and what we find is that Caleb Porter doesn't always make the playoffs. But when he makes the playoffs, he tends to do pretty well. And that's that's what we're hoping here um, in terms of the, the revolution is that he will have the recipe and how to get this team to play. So the goal is really to, to try to make it um, have as many home games as possible and be dangerous. And hopefully Caleb Porter has that game plan of how to play well and advance in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue to be, I guess, by comparison, Mr. Negative today. So I guess I guess that's good because somebody has to disagree, right? So I'm, I'm going to go with seventh or eighth for the Revs this year, which is still a playoff team. Uh, they could still make a run in the playoffs. But again, and I'll, I'll sound a little bit like a broken record from last year's show, I think a lot depends on Vrioni. And my confidence in Vrioni 
coming good is a lot lower this year than it was last year, uh, or at least my hopefulness that he, of him coming good is a lot lower this year than last year. And part of that is, you know, I even kind of gave the benefit of the doubt with, with Caleb Porter thinking, you know, Caleb Porter said some positive things about Rioni and his system and how Rioni might fit into it. And I kind of bought into it, but we haven't really seen much of it in this preseason. He hasn't scored a goal yet in this preseason. It's not all about results and all about goals. Um, and it's hard to say too much when we've only been able to watch one game. Uh, but it's just the fact he hasn't found the score sheet in this preseason just adds to my hesitancy that he's going to get the job done for the Revs this year. Uh, and again, there's no Gustavo Bo to bail him out if Rioni doesn't get the job done. So um, with that in mind, I'm going seventh or eighth. Um, I also am not sure about the goalkeeping situation. Seth, you mentioned, you know, Revis looked you know pretty good yesterday against Philadelphia. The highlights, I think it was against Orlando. It did not look so good. And there was some some real shakiness on the goals the Revs conceded in that game. Again, it's it's hard to judge too much based on highlights from weird angles, but um, I I don't know that he's going to be the answer. And the Revs have struck goal twice with Matt Turner and Georgie Petrovic. Um, you know, asking them to do that a third time, even with Kevin Hitchcock, is still asking a lot. So, uh, you know, you'd like to say, oh, Kevin Hitchcock likes this guy; he's going to be good. But I think odds would say he's probably not. Um, it's hard to do that three times in a row. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he won't. So I think there's two big question marks at two very important positions. Uh, Seth, it looked like you had something to, to add. I think you're raising your, your hand there. So I don't know. I don't know if you d- disagree with something I said there. No, but I feel like I feel like one thing that we should maybe talk a little bit about is Veroni. And maybe it goes into the next question that we have, because I think it's a topic that we're going to come up with more and more. And you're right that, you know, we went to the the Caleb Porter presser and he spoke very highly of Veroni and said he was a player that he would believe in. That said, of course, a, a coach is going to say that about a player, right? Like it would be pretty bad if before you even really start the season in full, you're you're throwing guys under the bus. Um, but I, I think there is something I was watching the, the preseason game and, you know, I thought Veroni was active. I'm not sold that he is the answer by any means. But I just thought that he was a little bit more of an aerial presence than I saw before. I thought that he was combining at times with like Eshmir a little bit. I think there's also this element of the revs where I saw yesterday and I went back into an analysis of all the Columbus Crew's goals back when Caleb Porter was there in the final season. And there's a little bit of a transition game that I saw from the revolution. And that's kind of what someone like Giacomo Veroni wants, right? Like he was, he's almost like a Gustavo Bo type of situation where he, he wants that ball in behind and to go at people. So, you know, I, I, I want to be really clear. I, I'm not trying to say that this is, this guy's a hundred percent going to be, you know, a 15 plus goal scorer. I think that he, if he is, that's very good for the revolution. But I, I do wonder, you know, with, with Caleb Porter, is it going to be a little bit different, but totally to your point, if it's not, then, then that's a problem for the revolution because the only other option is Bobby Wood or you throw Chocolate up top. And we saw that it sounded like that's what we saw in the very first preseason game. I'm just not sure that's where you want him to be. I think you want him to be out wide, but the last thing I'll go to is, is that, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, fourth or fifth, I'm also thinking about that summer transfer window and, and you're right. You have to find a suitor. You have to find someone. You can't just loan this player out. You have to, you know, sell him. You have to, you know, do a free transfer type of situation. But like, I'm thinking for the revs that they're in a win now situation, right? Like this is not a situation where you can, I mean, I guess you can wait longer, but I think it's best for this revolution team to get results this year. So I think that if they have to pull out all the stops and and make a move this summer, I would hope they would. Um, So that's kind of where my optimism comes from. Um, Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm kind of projecting too much and I'm, I'm, I'm not really looking at what's on paper, uh, but 
you know, I, I thought there was some a couple of encouraging moments yesterday during the game. I thought he was really trying to press as well, Veroni, um, really put a lot of effort in there. Uh, but preseason is a little bit different, too. You have a little bit more time on the ball. There's less pressure from the Philadelphia Union players. So when there's a little bit more pressure, does the game look a little bit different? So I just want to explain where my optimism comes from a little bit. No, I, that, that all makes sense. And I think if Rioni does turn out to be a you know 12-plus goal scorer, I think that fourth or fifth or you know even a, above that is realistic. Uh, if he doesn't, then I think it's going to be a struggle for the revolution this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I appreciate where your optimism or, or where some of your optimism there is coming from. Uh, that makes sense to me. And I guess with, with that in mind, maybe I'm going to change the order of, of how I pose these predictions to you uh, and, and jump with who do you think is going to be the top scorer for the Revs this season, which I think uh, I think there's a few answers or a few ways you can go with this. So, Seth, I'm curious, who, who do you think is going to the top scorer? Are you confident enough in Rioni to save Rioni? I'm going to go with Thomas Chancolet. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like I said, I'm not I'm not 100% there on, on Veroni. You know, I want to give it like five, six, seven games before I'm really willing to say, okay, it's just not – because you're right. It hasn't really worked up to this point. There's been glimmers of, of positive things. There's a really good finish against Red Bulls for Veroni. And, you know, you can see, like, I go to practice every now and then, and you can see that the guy can finish, you know. But maybe it's just not the right fit here. It's not working in the system. But with Caleb Porter, you know, this is a designated player. This is someone that you want to get on the field. I want to see a little bit of how he functions under Caleb Porter before I say anything. That said, I think that a, a player who who's very good, who knows to find the back of the net, uh, is Thomas Chancolet. I think they're going to rely quite a bit on him. Uh, Dylan Barrera will be another player, but obviously he's injured right now, so there'll be less time. And the thing I always keep going back to is that uh, people keep talking about how how hard Chancolet can strike the ball. Like Earl Edwards Jr. is like, this guy can strike the ball. And later on uh, this season, Caleb Porter was like, dude, when, when you have to get out of the way of that thing, like that thing is just going to like blast through the net. So I, I think that, that he's the type of player that likes to shoot. He's going. They're going to need him to shoot deep. I think that that's something that I saw when I was watching back at Columbus Crew Games. That there's, they, need, they need someone to shoot from outside the box. And hopefully Chancolet is that type of player. So I'm going to say Thomas Chancolet for the Golden Boot. Tom, is somebody going to go with Rioni here? Because I'm not. So who, who are you picking? <laughs> uh, well, look, I just the other thing about Veroni is, you know, everyone keeps talking about, you know, how how good is he or how good is he is he not? And, and you know, the other thing is, you know, the goals don't just come from the center forward. Right? It's not as if the only player that can score goals is a center forward. So and he doesn't necessarily have to be the most talented player on the team. You know, there's plenty of guys that have stuck around in, in leagues all across the world because they just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And somebody like a Chancolet or Barrero or Hill or Esmir, they do the hard, they do the hard work. They beat somebody off the dribble. They put the ball in behind, they put the ball there and all he has to do is tap it in. Right. So it, it, like, he, he doesn't have to be this incredible, you know, this, this guy that's going to score goals like Bo did. And, you know, I think people also kind of need to, Bo was great. Right. But, what was the what was the one concern about Bo for the last two years? Every time he has a good game, it's like, okay, that's great. Is he going to be here next week, or is he going to break down again? Uh, so you know, going back to you know Bo not coming back, I mean, there was really no way he was going to come back with the money that he was on. Uh, he was injury prone. He's getting older, and the, the two big indicators of future injuries is old age and a previous injury record. Uh, so there's plenty of goals to come from. Chancolay from Barrero, from you know possibly Esmir, uh, possibly from Carlos as well. So I don't think they're going to be overly reliant on uh, Veroni. 
But having said that, I still think Veroni's going to end up leading the team with goals scored because of all the other attacking talent around him. You're not going to give Carlos Hill space to get on the ball because you're worried about Veroni. You're not going to let Chonkalai, Barrero, or even you know somebody like Boateng and Esmir, you're not going to let them go you know 1v1 in plenty of space out wide and, and beat players on the drill. Like you're not going to... They're not going to let those other players break them down because they're preoccupied with Veroni. So if anything, that's actually going to make it's going to make life easier for him. You know, it, one thing that their Porter uh, that his teams did quite well uh, when he was with Columbus is they were they were encouraged to get on the ball and take players on and dribble. And that suits several players that they have uh, playing in that that line of three behind Veroni. So beating players off the dribble, that's going to draw another player out of a, a central space to try and pick them up. That's going to create more space for Veroni. So he, he doesn't have to be this super fantastic goal scorer. He doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to be the revolution's Harry Kane. He just needs to be in the right place at the right time. And, and he needs a coach that has a, a somewhat of an understanding of not all strikers are the same. You know, when Busa left and Veroni came in, everyone was like, oh, he's tall and European, so let's just pump crosses into him. That, that's not really how he wants the ball. Uh, and, you know, there was two games last year where against the Red Bulls where Bruce started Bobby Wood in both of those games. Bobby Wood wants the ball played in defeat. He had two center backs hanging off the back of him for 45 minutes, couldn't handle it, couldn't find any space, mouthed off to the ref, picked up a yellow card in both those games. It was amazing to me that he actually put Wood out there, saw him struggle. He was totally useless. He brings Veroni in. Veroni does much better because he can take advantage of space in behind. And then two weeks later, Bruce rolls Bobby out there again, and it was, it was literally the exact same thing happened. Didn't get on the ball. Nothing happened. And he talked himself into another yellow card. So hopefully Porter has a, a deeper understanding of Bobby Wood and Veroni are not the same person. They don't play the same just because they play the same position. And he's he's going to do a little bit more to kind of find ways to get them involved. And, and you know, somebody like Hill, uh, you know, Hill is. Hill is smarter than just about anybody on the field, and he does understand these types of things. He knows where Barrero wants the ball. He knows where Chonkley wants it. He, he knows where Esmir wants. He is able to tell exactly you know, what type of player these players are. Um, so, yeah, I think Verona's going to lead the team in scoring because he's got plenty of attacking talent around him to give him space. I find myself agreeing with everything you just said, Tom, but still not being convinced that Frioni is going to be the guy to, to lead the team in scoring. Um, I think everything you said has a lot of merit. Uh, I do think there's a lot of attacking talent around Frioni, and the setup is there for him to do well. And I think Caleb Porter, in theory, is better equipped to get the most out of Frioni than Bruce Arena did. I still, and I, again, I, I go back and I look at how good Brioni's numbers were in the Austrian Bundesliga, which I think is a, a better league than a lot of Revolution fans give credit. I think it's a better league than MLS in general, the Austrian Bundesliga. He scored 19 goals there in a season, um, which you know is a very impressive number. You don't do that by accident. His numbers are a lot better um, at a better league than what Adam Buchs's were coming to the Revs. They're very different players, like you said. Um, but I, I just I just don't think. I don't, I don't know. My optimism about Rioni has been slowly <laughs> getting picked away at from the past two seasons. And this past season in particular, I feel like he had so many opportunities um, that it's just hard for me to be positive that it's going to turn things around this year. And, and I think the Revs need him to do that. With, with that in mind, I think there are three options you can pick for leading goal scorer and that I could justify. Um, you, bought, you guys picked two of them, Chocolate and Rioni. I'm going to go with Carlos Heel. I think that's the third option. I think any of those three options you can make a good case for. Uh, Carlos Heel, in part because he takes the penalty kicks, um, I think I think he's kind of the safe choice. If I had more faith in Rioni, I'd go with him. I think Chocolate would be my second pick right now if I was going to pick. 
Um, I guess you could make a long shot case for Bobby Wood, but I, I think Bobby Wood, you probably got more out of last year than you're going to get out of this year. I was surprised by how much they got out of him last year. So um, for me, I'm going with Carly's heel. Uh, but if I was if I was picking a two and three, it would be Chocolay and, and Giacomo Rioni. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm kind of glad we all have different opinions, though, to, to make it more interesting. <laughs> Um, with that, on to the next one. Um, I'm looking for a player that you think is going to exceed expectations this season. Um, and if you have reasons on why, uh, let me know. And I, I'll start with you, Tom. You can say uh, Veroni. You can say Veroni. Yeah, you can just ahead. go to Seth now. Uh, Veroni will exceed expectations, seeing as the expectations for him uh, seem to be relatively low. Uh no, actually, you know the the other the other player too is um is uh, is is Farrell. Uh, I looked at the limited exposure I have to social media. Uh, people seem to be very quick to jump on Farrell whenever he he makes any sort of a mistake. Uh, I I just people think it down they get down on him too easily. Uh, he's a versatile player. He can still play outside back. He can play center back as well. Uh, you know he, he's been here for his entire career. Uh, I, I think he still has what it takes to to contribute to a winning team. I, I personally, in in terms of uh, you know when the Revs are attacking, when he's on the ball, uh, I actually think he does a lot more than Kessler. Kessler is is very risk averse, uh, just kind of looks to knock the ball to the closest teammate to him, uh, and, and doesn't really. I don't, Kessler doesn't really spark anything uh, in the attacking play, whereas I think Kessler uh, Kessler Farrell is able to do that. Uh, when when he has the ball at his feet, whether it's at center back or out wide, uh, so I, I still think there's a lot more good to come from Farrell. And you know, if Kessler continues to pick up these injuries, uh, I think he's going to play a lot, and, and I think he's going to have a really strong season. Um, I'm just always surprised that that people seem to get on him. Uh, they seem to get on him quite a bit. You know what, Tom? I actually had him as I, I, I had two options to who I was going to pick for this one. And Farrell was actually one of them. He was my option if, if, if my other one got picked first, which I thought was going to happen. I did not think Farrell was going to get picked. Um, so I, I actually agree with you on that. I think that there's an opportunity for him to play a lot of minutes this year. Uh, I think I think it seemed like Caleb Porter was probably going to start him over Nick Lima at right back. Uh, if I'm reading into preseason lineups prior to Henry Kessler, whatever happened with Henry Kessler. Um, so I think there's opportunities for him to play right back. And I think... You know, we know Kessler's availability has never been great over the past couple seasons. So I think there's going to be opportunities for him to play center back. Um, and, and I'm with you, Tom. I think people's expectations of Farrell are pretty low if you spend a lot of time on social media. Uh, people are very negative about him. You know, a couple seasons ago, he led the league in penalty kicks conceded. Although you, you, if you're going to point out the stat, you also mentioned that right behind him, one less in second was Henry Kessler uh, and a lot less games. So, uh, but Farrell seemed to get all the criticism and people seemed to give Kessler a pass on that. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think Farrell has an opportunity to exceed expectations this year. So I, I like that pick. Uh, Seth, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Esmir Beretarevich. Um, All right, those are both like... my picks. Now i got to come up with something on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I honestly thought uh, you guys were also going to pick him. Um, I, I feel like I have to pick him because I feel like the last month, that's the only player I've been talking about. Uh, you know, uh, on on X, on Twitter, whatever you want to call it, I did a you know highlight reel from his uh, moments for the U.S. men's national team, and I did a long-form article talking about his past. And then I thought he was excellent against the union. I thought he was popping up really well, coming inside, working really well with Carlos Heel, which – I feel like sometimes we weren't seeing that before that he wasn't, he was staying wider and, and, you know, being that outside player, but he's coming inside and making really good passes and finding good pockets of space. Um, And I think the beginning of the year, you need someone to play on the outside because you are not going to have Dylan Barrero. And 
you know, there was a moment where it was possibly Nacho Heel. Obviously, Nacho Heel has chemistry with his brother, Carlos. Uh, there's also a situation where he's a little bit more experienced. But I think at 18 years old, now is the time to, to ride Ejmir. And I think that that's a name that a lot of people are learning for the first time. They're having a hard time, myself included, sometimes saying that name. But I think by, you know, mid-season, it's going to be a name that we're all really comfortable with um, because he's a talented individual. I mean, he was someone that, you know, trialed over in, in the Netherlands um, last uh, off season and maybe it was more of a training versus a trial, whatever you like, whatever nomenclature you want to use. But he's someone that has uh, the attention of people. He is someone that can play in the next uh, two Olympic cycles, and he already has a senior national team cap. So I think it's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm struggling to come up with a third name because I agree. I agree with both of those. Those are both on my list. Um, Tom, did you, did you want to jump in? Uh yeah, just just on Esmer. I think Esmer. Esmer is, is comes across as a very Spanish player. Um, he kind of he, he kind of looks like uh, Carlos and Nacho's like younger brother. Um, you know, he's 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 very comfortable getting on the ball uh, in tight spaces. You know, his his movement, uh, like Seth said, you know, c- coming off the flank and and looking to you know, especially where it looks very clear that uh, that that Porter wants the outside backs to push up high up the field. I think that really is going to give him a, an opportunity to drift into pockets of space and get on the ball. Uh, and and again, like Seth said, to to connect with Carlos. Uh, so I think you know that. Carlos and and Esmir and then you know Nacho working in here and there as well. I think that's uh, a, a really interesting combination, uh, and I think that can potentially work really well for them. Again, particularly with the you know the the, the speed that they have uh, on the outside from the outside backs wanting to push up uh, into the attack. So yeah, I, I I would I think he'll have a very good season. Uh, you know, as long as Porter is is comfortable giving him the minutes that he needs. Yeah, and I, and I think from what we've seen in preseason, it, it looks like they probably is again. Can't read too much into it, but it seems like Esmir is kind of making that spot his so far, at least until Dylan Barrero comes back. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great pick. Uh, you know, I struggle to come up with another name. If I was going to stretch, I'd say maybe Matt Polster. I think some people seem down on him for some reason. I'm not I'm not necessarily sure why. I think uh, I think maybe he ran out of gas a little bit at the end of this year. Um, but I think he's still the strongest DM on this Revolution team. Uh, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable with him playing that position than Mark Anthony K. from what I've seen. Uh, and I think Polster will do well with Caleb Porter. I, I hope Porter pairs him with you know somebody like a Noel Buck, who I think played really well off of him, um, you know, early on last season with Bruce Arena. I think the two of them played really well together. And I think Polster has the opportunity to have a really good season this year uh, for the Revolution. Again, that's my stretching for a third pick because I like both Farrell and Esmeri here better. But I want to do something different, so that's that's where I'm going. Uh, and on the opposite side, what's one player that you think is going to be worse? than expected. Uh, Seth, I'll start with you. Um, I don't I, This is a hard question for me to answer because I, I, I don't know. We haven't really seen much of them. I will say one player I'm keeping an eye on is Mark Anthony Kay. Um, it seems like Mark Anthony Kay is, is primed to be in the starting lineup. Um, he's someone that played plays for the Canadian national team at times. He had a really good Instagram post at the end of last season after he got that red card talking about wanting to be the change and wanting to, to be a leader and kind of put in that type of effort. Um, I'm just kind of curious what his role on this team is. He's someone with a big contract. He's someone with the possibility to do really well. Um, but he's someone I'm going to keep an eye on because that's also an area where there's a lot of talent. Uh, I think Matt Polster is, is someone that is pretty cemented into the starting lineup. Uh, Noel Buck, obviously, too, is, is someone who's played with Matt Polster. And he's someone who's, you know, 
getting looks over in Europe and there's a hopefully one day a European transfer in his future it seems um I like really Ian Harks and I believe Tom's the same way I think Ian Harks is a really good player he's uh, able to position himself to win those second balls he really seems to understand to read the game really well so Mark Anthony K is one to keep an eye on maybe he really is that dominating player he has that size to be maybe he really is that change and leader and say everyone follow me and I'm going to be that that positive presence um but I could also see a situation where that's a pretty big contract to to be on the bench um and someone outperforming him like Ian Harks or like Buck because I mean I think ideally you want to get Buck in the lineup somewhere right like he's a really promising player playing for the U19's English team so I think there's a little bit of uh, crowdedness there and that's also maybe like you know we, we had our Veroni discussion right you know Veroni there could be optimism there maybe it doesn't work out so I'm trying to highlight maybe a different player yeah I, I I'm with you Seth that was one on my list too um, and you know I, I was very impressed with Mark Anthony K and his time with LAFC I think a lot of people look back to that and the player he was then um, and he fit in their system really well, and he was, you know, a fun guy to watch for LAFC. I, I didn't think he showed to be quite the same type of player when he was with Colorado. Uh, I didn't think, I mean, it, again, he was in two teams that were a mess with Toronto and Colorado, but he definitely didn't show the same level of impact with those teams and the same quality that he showed with LAFC. So now we're going back kind of two and a half years to when he was really that impressive player that, you know, people who remember the best of him remember. And I, I wasn't impressed with him this past season for the revolution and a lot of games either. So uh, for the reason you mentioned with his big contract, uh, it's, he's a guy for me too. That's kind of on the watch list of, you know, can he live up to that money that he's making uh, a lot more money than Matt Polster when the performances haven't been as good as Matt Polster. So that's, I, I completely agree with you with, with that pick. Um, Tom, who've you got? Uh, Matt Polster. <laughs> um, I, I, Matt Polster is, is, is an average MLS center mid. I, I don't, I don't really know what it is that he does that you could say is above average. Um, he's very safe with his passes. Uh, yesterday he looked like he was making himself more available, uh, than he did last year. So maybe, maybe that's just a difference between Bruce and Porter. And, and I hope it is because Porter really seems to like him. Um, I I I I don't get it. I don't really understand why people are so big on on Polster, um, or Buck as a center mid for that matter. I think they both are defensively. They're both a liability. Uh, Buck seems to be emulating Polster's way of defending, which is to just close the player down, throw himself into a tackle that he's not going to make, uh, and then upon getting beaten, he just grabs tackles that uh, you know. Polster led the team in uh, in yellow cards last year. Um, and, and the guy playing behind him, Romney, played even more minutes than he did. I think Romney had one or two in the entire season. Uh, so you can be in those defensive, vulnerable uh, type of positions and not constantly give away yellow cards. Um, so I think, I think Polster is, is a pretty – even yesterday, he almost picked up a yellow yesterday. He had – I think he had three fouls inside of 15 minutes in a preseason friendly. So, I mean, he just kind of throws himself into the ball and gets beat quite easily. Um, so, yeah, I I don't really – I, I just don't get um, – I don't get the faith that people have in 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 Polster. So I'm I'm glad we disagree on something. That's good. <laughs> and, and on on Harks, so this is the other thing too, right? Like there was a very brief period of time last year where Kay had arrived, Harks was healthy, and Bruce was still here, and Polster got dropped immediately as soon as he had those two guys available. Polster, it was it was honestly 
it was probably one of like my happiest moments as a Revs fan with Bruce here. I just we turned up one day, sat down in our seats with the lineup came out, and I was like, oh, oh, he actually dropped Polster. I was it. I think that Kay is 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 a bit better defensively than than Polster is. He's a little bit more daring on the ball. Um, hopefully, Porter can can get Polster to to play forward passes, a, 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 you know, a bit more than he did last season. Uh, but Hart's is a really smart player. Like he's really good on the ball. He picks out passes. His movement is, you know, even even with the coach not really encouraging anything uh, and letting guys like Polster and Buck, you know, they, they spend a lot of time just hiding, hiding behind players, hiding from the ball. There was, you know, the section I sit in in the second half, you're pretty much looking straight on it like the top. There's many, many times when Farrell would have the ball and he's just looking around, putting his hands up like, like we have two center mids. Why, why is neither one of you available for a pass? Um, so I hope Parks plays a lot because he's a really smart player. And I think somebody like, I think Carlos picked up on that as well because I don't. I don't think you saw Carlos dropping as deep as he did uh, in in other games when Harks was out there because Harks was able to get on the ball and bring it forward. And I know like we want Carlos to be on the ball as much as possible, but I don't really think we want him dropping 15, 20, 25 yards into his own half uh, with a team that plays the two defensive mids just to just to get his foot on the ball. Yes. See, for me, when I look back at the best central midfield. Uh, that we saw for the revolution, I thought it was Polster and Buck at the beginning of the year. I thought the two of them had a lot of chemistry together. Well, one would go forward, the other would stay back. They kind of were on the same page. And then I think when Bruce got away from that and started using different combinations, we didn't see quite as much of that. I think Ian Harks was a really good addition for the revolution. Uh, cheap, um, plays plays really well for the Revs. I, I like that move. Uh, I think he's a player that could very well you know, usurp a starting spot from, from Noel Buck. Um, I think both... Polster and Kay are the more defensive options on the team, so I think you want at least one of those guys out there. I don't. I think a Buck Harks pairing, you're probably seeding too much defensively. Um, I, I don't think anyone here necessarily wants to see that. Um, so I think it's it's you know some combination of, of the others, um, of, you know, of either Polster and Buck, Polster and Harks, Kay and Buck, Kay and Harks. Um, I, I don't really like Kay and Polster personally uh, together. I know we saw that I think of the last preseason game. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, but for me, I thought. K has been too much of a liability. Um, you mentioned Polster making kind of safe passes and not going forward enough. I thought we saw him going forward more when he was paired with Buck and, and making those runs and was less comfortable doing that later in the season when he wasn't. Um, with with K, I think K sometimes tries too much and leads to bad turnovers. Uh, I think we saw a lot of that last year in games where his turnovers could have been costly for the Revs. So I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I, I get where you're coming from, but I'm going to disagree with you on that um, and, and still stick with Polster and Buck as, as my preferred central midfield pairing with the caveat that I, I really like Ian Harks too and think he's you know, very capable of filling in. Um, it's K to me that I, I'm... I'm concerned about this season based on what I've seen over the past couple of years. So uh, interesting. I, I love having differing takes and hearing other people's viewpoints on that. Cause Tom, that's a, a very different in perspective that I could appreciate. <laughs> um, with, with that said, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to come up with another option here. Cause I, I had K as my player that was going to be worse than expected. Uh, but as far as a guy to kind of watch, you know, I, I'll, I still go back to, to Ravis and goal. And I just, I, Based on some of the highlights I've seen of the, you know, the confidence going out to get balls uh, on set pieces uh, in that Orlando game from those highlights, um, I, I think he's a guy that you know maybe isn't going to live up to the hype, and it, certainly it's huge shoes to fill following Georgie Petrovic and Matt Turner, and uh, I think to put that expectations on him is unrealistic in general. 
but I, I think he's a guy that, you know, I need to see more of to, to know if he's going to be able to fill those shoes or even if he's going to be the revolution starter all season. So that's, that's for me, but, uh, K was my top choice there. Um, so on that note, who's a player that you guys think will not be here on the end of the season. It could be because they're cut. It could be because they're traded, traded within the league. It could be because they're sold or for whatever reason, but who, who do you think will not be here by the end of the year? Tom, I'll start with you. Uh, Buck very clearly wants to go to England. And I think if they have an opportunity to sell him, they should, because that's where he wants to be. He very clearly thinks that he, uh, I mean, he's, he's going over with the English team, uh, you know, every opportunity he gets. So that's where he wants to go. And I think they should find a way to help him get over there. Um, McNamara has absolutely no role in this team at all whatsoever. And if anyone for any reason wanted to take the Re- take him off the Revs' hands, uh, I, I think they should take advantage of that. I don't think anyone actually will, uh, but if anyone did, I think they should jump at it. There's just there's just no role for him at all. Uh, and then Rivera, uh, who I talk about every time I come on here for some reason, uh, Rivera needs to get a loan because uh, he needs two minutes on the field because he's in his age 20 season uh, and he needs to play. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with any of that. And also also agreed that I'm not sure what McNamara's role is, but I also don't think there's anywhere for him to go uh, on another <laughs> team. Uh, Seth, any thoughts? Yeah, my list is pretty similar. I think that a central midfielder makes sense to do something with. Buck would make a lot of sense because it sounds like he's garnering interest and you want to you want to uh, cash in on that, especially if you don't see him as a starter. I still see him as potentially a starter. Sean, I agree with a lot of what you said. That Polster and Buck, to me, they had a really good combination um, and I think that Buck, you know, when he was playing at his best, he was really good defensively and strong and, and he was winning a lot of really good tackles. Um, but if he, if Porter sees a different combination there and if teams really are calling for him, it's going to be hard to say that, uh, say no to those opportunities. Um, and I agree with the young players as well. I mean, I think Rivera at this point, you got to do something with him. Um, I think that it doesn't really make sense to me to play him on revs two. I think he's above revs two. He needs to go to the championship and see how he can perform. Whether that means going to Rhode Island FC. I mean, that obviously makes a lot of sense. He'd be local. He'd be uh, someone that can uh, do well there. Rhode Island FC seems like they're, you know, have a decent roster. So maybe it doesn't end up there, but I think it's time for a championship club loan to see how, how he can cut it. Um, and if he's doing well, then you can bring him back. Look at like what happened with Ryan Spaulding last year. I thought that was actually really good for Ryan Spaulding to go down to Tampa Bay and get those reps. Um, and obviously another one is, is Josh Bulma. Um, I'm not really sure what his role is. It, he was playing with Revs too during the preseason, but also played with the Revs as well. He had to come in for uh, Peyton Miller when he got injured. But same type of thing. Like, I guess you can loan him down to, to Revs too. I'm not sure. Maybe that, that might be fine for his development because he's just a second year down there. Um, but it might be time for him to think about a USL championship team as well. As well. Um, so, yeah, Buck is probably my top choice. But some of those young guys, you got to find minutes for them. Um, and I think that some Revs, too, is fine. But maybe a d- different area would be helpful in their development. Yeah, I, th- I think Buck is the obvious choice here. Um, if I want to go for a less obvious choice, I go back to something that Seth kind of mentioned is that this is a, a win now season for the revolution. I, I 100% think it is. We don't know that Carlos Hill is going to be back after this year. There's no guarantee of that. And Carlos Hill is a guy that was league MVP a few years ago. Uh, and you, this is a team that's somewhat built around him. And when you lose him, whether it's next year or, or, or whenever it is, um, 
there's a lot to replace there. So I think this is 100% a win-now team. There's there's a lot of guys here in their prime. Um, there's a lot of talent here. And so with that in mind, if Rioni is not living up to the bill and you get to July, I think the Revolution do need to find a way to move on from him. I, I don't know how, um, but you know maybe it's you find a way to give him a free transfer somewhere else. Uh, so that's my kind of my, more of my long shot not going to be here by the end of the season. I think Buck is the obvious choice, though. Um, Seth? You've been somebody that's been kind of tracking what you think the starting lineup is going to be for the Revolution based on what you're seeing in the preseason. So I want to start with you for this one. I think what, from what I've seen from you, I mostly agree with, with, with what you've been putting out there. But what, what do you think is going to be the starting lineup for opening day for MLS? I think the CONCACAF Champions Cup is kind of a crapshoot. So I'm going to say for MLS because we, you know, we, don't, we don't know what they're going to do for the Champions Cup. Uh, well, uh, that's what concerns me too, because it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if they go with a stronger lineup in the CONCACAF Champions League, because that's a chance to win a trophy early on in the season. I think it is concerning, you know, like uh, Seattle Sounders style, that you do really well in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, and let's say they even get to a final, and then they crash out, but you sacrifice the regular season. That could be problematic. But I think if you're the revolution, and you have a chance to, like, do something big right away, and that kind of gets the focus on, hey, this team is good, and this is a, a new era for the Revolution. I don't know. Maybe you put out the strongest lineup uh, against that. And I and what maybe makes me really think about that is that against the Philadelphia Union, that was a first choice lineup, wouldn't you say? That and seems like it's me. Mark, Mark Anthony K was in that lineup, and we know that Mark Anthony K is suspended for the first game of the MLS regular season. So if that was the starting lineup against D.C., which it could very well might be, maybe Porter's like, I just want to get, you know, what see what Mark Anthony K looks like in there. Um, and unfortunately, he's because he's going to play most of the regular season games. Unfortunately, he can't play D.C., so we can slot in this other player. Uh, maybe it's Ian Harks because Ian Harks came in later in the game for Mark Anthony K. But it does make me kind of wonder, are they going for it in the CONCACAF Champions Cup? And that second game against D.C., you see a little bit more of the rotation lineup. Uh, remember, the Revolution played back-to-back games, two different lineups. So lots of guys got a lot of minutes. So anyway, my, my, my starting lineup at this point um, is where you have Robinson goal. At left back is Dewan Jones. Uh, Romney's going to be in there. It sounds like from, from, from my understanding, there's some sort of knock with Kessler. Maybe Kessler is back for full fitness. Um, but right now, I'm going to imagine that he is not going to be back because – you know, he did not play in that Philadelphia Union game. So I'm going to put Andrew Farrell at center back and Nick Lima at right back. My holding mids will, will be K and will be uh, Polster. And but I think there's a little bit of question marks there with Mark Anthony K. Uh, attacking is going to be Carlos Heel. And I think you have to have Eshmir out there. I think Eshmir was one of the best players against the Union. And the other player is going to be Thomas Chonkway. And up top is Veroni. Um, I think that that's what I imagine that they're going to go with right now. Uh, Porter did say there were still some competitions for spots. Uh, so we will see maybe, maybe, maybe Veroni isn't in there. I think he will be. I think the other one is that, that back line and, and Mark Anthony K. Yeah. So, so you're saying for the champions cup, since K is, is suspended for MLS. So who, who do you, if you had to pick who starts over K for MLS, are you saying Harks? No, I'm, I'm probably going uh buck. Um, but I really like Harks. Like for me, Maybe because he came in and Hark's got those last minutes. Maybe it's Hark, but I think that uh, Buck has gotten a lot of preseason minutes and he's someone that has chemistry with with Polster. I think it's really hard for me to differentiate the two right now because I imagine with such a short amount of time between games, there is going to have to be rotation. Um, 
So it's, it's hard for me to say exactly who's going to start against DC United because I don't know who's going to start against the, the CONCACAF Champions game. So sorry about that. Yeah, so that I, I agree with Seth, so nothing to add there. Tom, do you have any changes from what Seth said? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think if, if the question was more what you know what is their what is their best 11 coming out of preseason or if i i think there's there's if the approach is to try and take care of the the you know the champions cup and, and just kill the tie off in the first game then you put out your what you think is your strongest lineup and you try and come out of there with a you know whatever uh, you know three nothing four nothing you know if you can get a comfortable win uh, and then rotate uh, at the weekend against DC United, and then maybe come back with a rotated squad uh, to hopefully you know finish off. Uh, who who are they playing in the Champions, the Glorious Champions Cup? Independiente uh, down in Ah, Panama. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, so if they can, you know, if they can, you know, kind of do wholesale changes uh, the second leg and, and finish off Independiente, uh, and then bring back that that you know that that full that full strength lineup for the second MLS game. I, I don't. I don't think rotating in the first MLS game, right? It's the first of 34, uh, is is really that that big of a deal. I mean, does anyone remember the starting lineup from the first game last year? Right. Yes, but I'm not going to say it. I have no <laughs> idea. I could, so it's it's one game. It's one game out of 34. And like we said earlier, it's it's the goal is to to just get your foot into the MLS playoffs. Uh, but no, I think Lima, Farrell, Romney, and Jones, Ravas. Um, you know, Esmir, uh, Carlos and Chonkala and Veroni. And then, yeah, I think the only question marks are, are you know, like Seth said, they're in the middle. Um, I'd like to see Kay and Harks, but it, it could also just as easily be, uh, you know, Polster and Buck or, or some other some other combination. Yeah, I I, I got nothing to add to, <laughs> to Seth's lineup, so I'm, I'm good there. Um, quickly, who do you think is going to be the team MVP this season? Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. Carlos. I mean, I, I mean, the funny thing is like, if you, if you go on like fbref.com and like, even if you didn't know anything about the refs, if you, if you spent two minutes on there, just sorting like most key passes, most through balls, uh, most passes into the final third, most assists, it's, it's, it's not that he's first in all those categories. It's that he is so far in front of everybody else on the team. It's, it's, it's just crazy. It's not, it's not great in the longer term when he's not here or when he misses a game or if he has to get subbed out. Uh, but I mean, they are, they are so overly and critically reliant on, on him continuing to be the player that he has been. Um, and so if he is, they're going to do well and, and, you know, God forbid if anything happens to him, because uh, I, they haven't shown that they are able to figure out what to do when, when, when he goes away. Seth, any, any disagreement? It's hard to pick anyone other than Carlos, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and I think what's funny about Carlos Hill is that if he only has like three or four key passes, people are like, he, he's declining. He's not doing as well. I mean, you even saw yesterday that he gets fouled all the time, He he's but he's still creating things. He's still on the field. We know that he yells at the ref sometimes. We know that he yells at other players sometimes. But like, he's such a talented player that every single time he's on the field, you, you believe a little bit more. I'll be really curious – because last year, and I, you know, it was a really good quote that came from him. I asked him about the idea of you seem to be shooting more. And he talked about, yeah, because everyone's always looking for the pass. So if I add that to my arsenal, then all of a sudden I can get the back of the net, create a little bit more space sometimes. And it's just like a little bit different of a player. So I thought that that was great. 
And I'll be curious to see if we, we see more of that this year and if opponents like uh, are able to identify that more. And at one point, Porter mentioned that he's always had these really good number 10s that find the back of the net. Um, and, and he's a little bit different from some of the number 10s that he had, right? Like he, he can find the back of the net, but he's not a shoot first type of player. Um, so, you know, I'll be curious to see how his game evolves and what the game model looks like. But yeah, I, I like the other thing I saw yesterday is that there was a lot of interchanging between Heel and, and Chancole and Eshmir. And, and it felt a little, you know, a little bit different in terms of how things looked. So I'll be curious to see how all those pieces come together. But I mean, I don't know, like, I can I can say a different name if you want me to, but like it's it's Carlos Heel. Yeah, I, I, my distant second would probably be Chonkley as a has an outside yeah. chance to get it, but it's got to be Carlos Heel. And I, I, speaking of you know hot takes on social media, I saw somebody tweet something like if if the Revs have Carlos Heel as their MVP again this year, they are in trouble. And that to me makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> if the Revs have a guy who was the MVP of the league two seasons ago as their MVP, they're like. I don't get that. He's going to be the MVP, barring if he's healthy. If he's healthy, he's going to be the MVP for the Revs this year. Um, I think that is an important caveat because there have been times where he's had injury issues. So if he's healthy, it's it's almost impossible to see it being anyone else. Although Chocolate would be my distant second choice for that. <laughs> yeah, and if if you know the one thing is too is you know we, we get caught up in. You know how good is the team going to do this year, and where are they going to finish, and are they, are they going to win a trophy? And so, you know, hopefully people can can if 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 this turns out to be his last year, I really I will be going to great lengths to just try and just try and enjoy watching him play. Um, I I've never seen anyone play for this team that that their understanding of the game, their understanding of of their teammates, and where they want the ball and when they want the ball. It's just it's just it's. Some of my favorite moments watching Carlos are actually when he he plays a pass that that to him it's so painfully obvious that this ball is going to go to this run that you're not going to make and then he looks up and he's just like well how how why are you not making it like he it's just he's just on such a entirely different level to everyone else it's like sometimes he just kind of looks around for like forgets where he is like you're not you're not in Spain anymore they're not all trained to think the way that you think but I, I hope that people can just again even if the season turns out not to be a, a, a great season just try and appreciate watching him play because I, I really don't know that uh, whoever comes in to take his his DP spot after he moves on is is going to be you know be that type of player he's just on such a different level uh, with with you know his approach to the game and, and how he sees things I think that's an excellent point um, on on the flip side, who is going to be the defender of the year this year? Predictions for that. I believe it was Romney last year. Who have you got for this year? <laughs> Romney, I, I mean, I thought he was just um, – I, I think that it was – I think Caleb Porter called him Steady Eddie. Um, I think he was talking about him. And I think that's what he is. Like, he played, I believe, every minute of every game last year. Um, he was someone that was a constant presence. And I thought um, before everything really changed – he was really, really good. And I think when the tactics started to change and you're playing Matt Polster at left back, you know, it, 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 his game was altered a little bit. But I think if you give him a normal back line, he just he's just a smart player. I like Henry Kessler. I've done a lot of clips of Henry Kessler and how he reads the game and how he's able to shepherd the ball out and, and make really good tackles. And, you know, there's been times where we've seen how fast he can go. But, the, you know, I'm concerned about his health, you know. Uh, and I do like to shout for, for Andrew Farrell having a good year. I think that... He's someone that that gets a lot of criticism, um, but 
he, he can be a, a steady, reliable player. And, and yes, he makes some mistakes sometimes, but he's someone that puts it all on the field. And I think especially if he ends up playing right back, then you minimize some of those mistakes a little bit more, right? You have a sideline to shepherd someone towards, um, you know, if someone gets beat, you have a, a center back to cover you in those situations. Um, yeah. But for me, like Rami is, is I'm picking the safe choices, you know, it's, it's the safest choice to make, right? Someone who, who won it last year, who's probably going to be on the field and uh, who's going to probably make some, some big tackles. So I'm going to go with Romney. Tom, who you got? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, the back line potentially could be, you know, a, a real strength of this team. I think they have depth, uh, you know, all, all across the back line. And I, I think there's, you know, a, a number of players that are going to do well. Uh, but, you know, Romney, I I, I would be surprised if it it wasn't Romney. And and by the way, I don't pay attention to this stuff. So I actually didn't know that he was named defender of the year last year. Um, And it's not surprising, but um, yeah, once the season's over, I don't, I don't pay attention to anything. Uh, But yeah, I look, he, he's very calm. He's calm defensively. He's calm with the ball at his feet. He's calm with his teammates. You know, he's not one of these kind of guys where something goes wrong and he just starts turning and pointing fingers and, you know, and just shouting, flipping out everybody. You know, he's just a very calm presence. Uh, he doesn't put a foot wrong. You know, he's not he's not the fastest guy. He's not the he's not, he's not the, the highest jumper. You know, he's not some like, you know, freak athlete. Uh, he's he's actually he reminds me a lot of, you know, a, a stereotypical Italian center back who just he's where he needs to be when he needs to be there. And, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, I think he's the a great choice. I think to me, there's two people I could see being it: Romney being one, Dewan Jones being the other. I look at two things: availability. Brandon Bay is going to miss too much of the season. I I can't trust Henry Kessler's availability. I, I, over the past few years, he's missed too many games, um, and the fact that he's already seems to have a knock in preseason. Um, so for me, it's one of those two guys. Uh, just to disagree with you and try to be a contrarian, I'm going to go with Dewan Jones. I think Dewan Jones is going to flourish under Caleb Porter. Um, I think not having to be playing at right back to and switching back and forth to make up for you know whoever's out because Nick Mima's on the roster now and because of Farrell's ability to play right back, I think that's going to help him a lot. Um, I think getting more time with the national team in January should build, build his confidence. So I'm going to go with Dewan Jones. I think in part – even though it's defender of the year, I think his offensive contributions from left back are going to to help him uh, potentially win that vote. So it's one of those two guys for me. Yeah, Jones. I mean, yeah, Jones, I, love, I love Jones. I think he's I think he's great. And uh, you know, if you look at some of those those attacking metrics that Hill uh, leads in almost every single category, uh, Jones actually pops up uh, pretty high up on that as well. So I think he's definitely someone that contributes a lot to the attack. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's also I mean, like I said, they they. They have the potential to have a very strong, very deep back line. Yeah. Um, we're almost at the hour mark. I, I wanted to keep this under an hour. I'm not going to do it, but but we are down to our last category, and then I wanted to read some listener predictions. Um, bold predictions from you guys, something we haven't talked about so far. Do you have a bold prediction for the season, Tom? Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I – I misread the uh, roundtable this week, and I thought we were supposed to do something else. Um, so I actually submitted the wrong thing. No, I, it's tough to have a bold prediction considering you know everything that happened last year. Uh, we're talking about an MLS team. I mean, it's just there's just so many you know crazy things that you can't predict that happen every season. Um, but I, I I think the 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 one bold prediction that I hope comes true is that they don't have any catastrophic season-ending uh, knee injuries this season. Um, Porter talked about in his press conference. I, I, I said this at the time, 
was really surprised that he he came right out and said that there are certain types of injuries that 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 can be uh, prevented. Um, I've never heard a coach say that because it's their favorite excuse to use. Like, oh well, injuries. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so he he kind of took that excuse out of his you know coach's excuse Rolodex pretty early on, and uh, I, I hope that pans out. Uh, you know, to see two players go down with season-ending injuries last year. Uh, you know that that if there's anything that can really de- derail a season and have you fall all the way out of the playoffs, uh, it's having you know two or three more guys, uh, you know, pick up those types of uh, knee injuries this year. So that's my my bold prediction is that uh, that won't happen. <laughs> that, that's a good one, uh, Seth. What do you got? I'm going to go with that. There's going to be a big uh, midseason signing. Um, I think that there's some flexibility there, and I mentioned before it's a win now team. I think that to me. It makes a little bit of sense for Caleb Porter to get a feel for this roster, to try to understand this roster. And if he feels like there needs to be an upgrade, whether it's at striker, whether it's at defensive mid, to be honest with you, I know there's a lot of options there, but maybe he brings in a destroyer in that position. Um, Then maybe that's what we see. We see a a large caliber player come in, whether it's a Max Tam player. It seems like Albert uh, Elise was, was kind of demanding a decent amount of money in that situation. Or we see a situation where a DP moves on and they bring in a DP. But I think there's going to be some sort of move in the summer transfer window that will shake up the team a bit. Yeah, so I actually had a bold prediction, and then I saw one of our listeners had the same prediction. Um, I'm still going to stick with it, and a sh- shout out to uh, Randy LH, who had the same prediction. And that's that Ravis gets benched um, before the end of the year. And again, it's it's hard to judge a guy based on, on highlights, but... I have some questions about what, what I saw in some of the highlights of the goals the Revs have conceded. Um, and again, I think the expectations based on what we've seen for Petrovic and Turner are pretty high, uh, but I don't know that he's going to be good enough for the revolution this year. So that's my, my bold prediction um, and shout out to Randy LH for having the same prediction. Um, on that note, I'm going to read a couple of, I'm going to read a few of our listeners predictions. You guys jump in. If you have any thoughts on them, we have them all over the map from very positive to negative. Uh, I'll start with blue J six, who has already put $25 on the revs to win MLS cup, big money. Uh, he thinks they'll start off slow. Um, so far that's what they've been doing and barely make the playoffs, but then go on a run in the playoffs to win it all. Hope I'm right. Likely not. Um, I, I forget which one of you mentioned, but Caleb Porter's teams have done that before where they haven't, you know, been in a high seed and then gone on to win MLS Cup. So I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility, right? Uh, yeah, it's possible. I mean, every team can win MLS Cup right now, right? I mean, uh, if you listen to Extra Time, they went through and said, hey, they could win MLS Cup or they could not make the playoffs. Like, that's what MLS is. Like, every single year. I mean, look at uh, Cincinnati, right? Like, for years and years and years, everyone's laughing at Cincinnati. Now they're the, the crown jewel of MLS in some ways. So, yeah, by all means, they could win MLS Cup or, I don't know, they could not. We don't, we don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, you might as well be optimistic in February before a game is like, you know, I, I grew up as a Red Sox fan. So uh, I I convinced myself every single year that there was some convoluted way that they would finally win a World Series. And I was I was wrong for the first 23 years of my life. But, you know, you keep making that prediction every year and, you know, eventually it'll come true. Maybe not this year, but, you know, at, at some point. The, the only prediction that we got on here that I do not see in the realm of possibilities is from Big John, who says the Revs will go undefeated, um, which would be the opposite of preseason <laughs> where they went winless. Um, that one that one is a step too far on the optimism scale for me. Yeah, forget all that optimism. It's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no <laughs> 
Steve McGrogan says the Revs will win MLS Cup. Another another very positive prediction. Derek Terrell says the Revs will finish above Inter Miami in the Eastern Conference. I, I I like that one. Inter Miami has had a mess of a preseason. I don't want to spend too much time talking about Inter Miami, but uh, between injuries and results, uh, they seem to be in a bit of a mess. And now there's reports from the Athletic that they are outside of cap compliance and need to offload uh, offload guys to uh, to fit under it. Um, so I don't know about I don't know if anyone has thoughts on that prediction, but I thought that was an interesting one that they uh, about Miami. And I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think I think a week ago a bold prediction I was thinking about a bold prediction would be that Inter Miami is not going to win anything this year, um, but the way their preseason has gone, I, I really don't think that that's a bold prediction anymore. They have kind of like a, a old school MLS collection of a bunch of guys that are. I mean, I just think they're all going to break down. I mean, how old is, is Luis Suarez still in his thirties? He is. What is he like? Thirty six or something? Uh, I mean, no. So, so no. I, the the one the he doesn't one look thirty six. The <laughs> one thing the one thing I'll say about Luis Suarez is I think he he's thirty seven. He turned thirty seven in January. So the one thing I will say about Luis Suarez is I feel like he talks about how injured he is so much that people think he's in even worse shape than he is because he was the MVP of the top division in Brazil last year, which is definitely an accomplishment. He scored a lot of goals um, and was, was very available. So I think there's a a sense from if you, you know, if you Google Luis Suarez and the comments he's made about how injured he is and how bad his knee is, you think this guy like is, is going to be out all season, but he was very available last year while playing through whatever pain he says he has um, that I almost think he oversells his injuries <laughs> and makes himself seem a lot older than he is because based on how he talks, you think he's like 45 uh, and on his last legs. But based on his actual availability and minutes he played and goals he scored, he still, at least last year, was a very good player. And if he can keep that availability in form this year, I, I think he can do pretty well in MLS. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I've digressed by going, <laughs> going off too much on Inter-Miami, but that'll obviously well, be Seth, an interesting Seth, thing to what's watch. Your, Seth, what's your, your trophy count for Inter-Miami come the end of the year? I thought you were asking my personal uh, trophy count. I was about to show you my runners up from uh, high school uh, medal. I have, it, <laughs> I have it next to me all the time, um, near and dear. No, um, who, uh, I'm going to say they win one. I don't know. I'll give them one, the league's cup or something like that. That, that, that tournament's designed for, for Messi, right? Like, so he has to win the, the Messi presents MLS league's cup <laughs> tournament. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm not sold on this team right now because of the possibility of injuries and like the cap con- compliance part. And if they really hold them to it, it sounds like they have to move on from a decent piece from the team, right? Like it's not just a situation where, um, they, they can get rid of some lower end talent. It look, looks like they have to shed some decent cap space. So I, I, I like the prediction that um, the revolution will end up being higher than them. But then again, it's messy. You know, it's a situation where they, the league, I'm not saying the league's going to be colluding or anything like that, but like it's, it's in some ways it's kind of good for the league profile to have a good inner Miami team. Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll say one trophy. I'm going to say they win the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, I, I think I think they win something this year, but it is all health dependent, right? If they stay healthy all year, uh, they could win MLS Cup. Certainly, uh, the the talent is there if they figure it out and they stay healthy. Um, if Luis Suarez does what he did last year and and despite complaining about how bad his knees are, manages to, to you know be one of the top scorers <laughs> in the league, um, well, saying he's in constant pain, you know, it, it, who knows? I think they could definitely win MLS Cup, but it is a lot on health, and there's a lot of old guys that need to stay healthy. Um, Onto the more negative and out there predictions. 
Um, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll save the negative ones. Uh, random prediction. Ronnie Small says Richie Williams will lead Revs 2 to an MLS Next Pro Championship. Why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the missing the playoffs, uh, Mike Kennedy's bold prediction is that Porter year one crashes and burns. The Revs don't make the playoffs. And Carly's heel leaves at the end of the year. I don't think things will go that bad, but I, I also would not never say never. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. I'd, I'd be... Yeah, it's possible. Just like winning the MLS Cup, I'd be surprised. I mean, this this roster is is pretty talented. I don't know. It's it's hard to you know. And I know it's happened, but it's hard to imagine you know Carlos Heel not being in the playoffs, and we have Chancale, and but it comes down to health, right? Do or do all these guys get healthy? Do they actually you know work together and and they're they're finding good form and they're preventing those like summer lulls and those long uh, streaks? It just but it just seems like on paper. Plus, so many teams make MLS playoffs. It just is hard for me to believe that this team won't make the playoffs. But yeah, maybe for sure. And I don't think Porter's going to get more than one year, almost no matter what happens. Because if you're an alpha, oh, it, it, you know, it's a line from a show. It, if if he fires Porter after one year, that makes it look like an awful made a mistake. So he's he's going to get at least two years here. Because if you start going through coaches and you're the GM, then the next person that gets looked at is is the GM. Yeah, it would it would have to be a complete and total disaster. Uh, he'd have to lose the locker room. They'd have to not make the playoffs. Um, it would yeah, it would take yeah. a absolute worst case scenario for him not to get more than a year. I I I agree with you on that. I don't see that happening. Um, Porter says that the Revs will get 42 points, miss the playoffs, and. They will boast about an incredible year because of season ticket renewals. And <laughs> so uh, another negative one um, on to the uh, Buck and Esmer predictions. Uh, Randy LH says both Buck and Esmer get sold or deals are announced before the end of the season. I don't know that. Well, with Buck, I don't think that's bold. I think that's probably more likely it's than not. Probably going to happen. Yeah. With, with Esmer, yeah. I guess it's, it's a little bit bold. Um, I, I, certainly possible, but I don't know that we've heard as much rumbling with Esmir and Esmir obviously hasn't played as many first team minutes yet. Um, I think that's possible, but uh, I guess that, that is more of a bold one. Um, Alden says Peyton Miller debuts. Um, I'd like to see that. That'd be, I'd, I'd love to see that happen and see what he can do at this level. Um, and that Nolan Esmir combined for 10 goals total. I also don't think that one's that bold. I think um, from what we've seen from no. Esmir, you know, the two of them combining for 10 goals, I think that's within the realm of, of not being that bold. What do you think, Seth? I think the only issue that that's potentially happening is that hypothetically, when Barrero comes back, he's a starter. So I think Ashmir should be the first guy off the bench, and that he's going to be um, someone that's going to go at people. Um, but both of those guys aren't guaranteed starters. I think I've True. said that they're guaranteed starters for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's on the it's on the edge of being bold, right? Like yeah. it it's, depends on the situation. Yeah. So so a bunch of predictions. Um, oh, last one. Not off-field related. I don't think this one's even the least bit bold. Is Trey says the Twitter hashtag will blow up for some crazy non-soccer related reason. Doesn't that happen like every week? What? <laughs> Tom, Tom can't comment. He's off social media. But no, what is this Twitter hashtag? I keep, oh, the hashtag is dead. Like, what? I don't even. What hashtag is it? It's hashtag any revs, which is like the the Twitter community where people put that and talk about the revs. They also talk about all sorts of other things like trips to Disneyland and. Uh, various things that aren't really Revs related. Um, I, I think the odds of the hashtag blowing up at some point during the season for something that's not actually on-field Revs related or not soccer related is is almost a given. I don't know about you, Seth. You've, you, <laughs> from, from my experience, I, I don't think that's very bold. 
Yeah, I'll be curious to see. Yeah, every day is kind of a wild ride on the hashtag. Uh, I'll be curious to see when the games start, how it goes. But even even when there's games going on, there's got to be those side conversations that happen that people throw the uh, hashtag any revs on. Yeah, some, some people just choose to use that. Any, some people that are any Rose fans just choose to put that on the most random tweets that have nothing to do with soccer. So inevitably, something will blow up at some point during the season. I don't, I don't consider that a bull take. <laughs> um, that I think that was it for listener takes. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Seth, do you have any final thoughts? Any articles that people should be looking out for on the Blazing Musket currently, or anything you have upcoming? Yeah, I would just do a shout out for the Eshmir article that I did. I, I spent a lot of time and, and got some pictures and got his backstory. And and from my experience, he when I've interviewed him in the past, he's been a little bit reserved, and which I totally understand. He's an 18-year-old kid that we're putting a microphone in front of that you know, could potentially blow up if he has a misstep. So I really appreciate him opening up and talking about his family and and how they came from Bosnia and had to flee during the war and and how it was difficult at times to to find high-quality soccer uh, so I really enjoyed that. And the other thing I'll just throw out there, and I, I think every year at the beginning of the year I say this, it's so important uh, if you're a Revolution fan to to support people that are writing about this team and talking about this team. And, you know, Revolution Recap does an amazing job. I'm not going to name all the people that, that do it because uh, I'm sure I'm going to leave someone out and I don't mean to do that. Any single person that spends time providing content, you know, they deserve a little thank you every now and then because some of them are doing it for little or no money. So the plug that I can say is that we at the Blazing Musket, most of our content is free. That's what we want it to be free. We have been slowly adding like subscription only things, um, but it's $5 a month. So we're asking for $5 a month that you can kind of help us out and, and be part of a, a community. Um, there's a private chat you can be part of. And if you sign up before Wednesday, before the CONCACAF Champions Cup game, you are entered in just for $5, you're entered in to win a season ticket membership into the fort. So we're going to do a raffle with our paid subscribers. So if you just come give us $5, if you want to pay for the year, $60, uh, $60. if you pay for five, uh, the $5 for one month and then cancel it next month, you're still in the raffle. So that's an opportunity for you to, to uh, see the New England Revolution live. And uh, my understanding is that a, a pink team is coming um, you know, sometime in April and, and that there's a big player named Messi uh, so if you know, he, there's a possibility you can see him in in person and obviously help out the blazing musket. But again, any single person that writes about this team, go like their stuff, read their stuff, retweet their stuff. Same thing for podcasts. It's a, it's a labor of love in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and you can follow Seth also on Twitter at, or X or whatever you call it at Sethman 31. Uh, Tom, you are not on social media. You are a smarter man than both of us. You have, <laughs> have prioritized your life better. Um, but do you have any final thoughts? People can also see some of your writing on the blazing musket. I don't know if you have anything upcoming, but any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah. So I'll be, I'll be covering uh, Rhode Island FC and then, and every chance I get uh, covering the revs and, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, a season of, of, you know, writing for the blazing musket and, and, and coming on the pod as well. Uh, it's, it's been a great opportunity so far. And, and as a fan last year, uh, when I was, when I was still coaching, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, following the Blazing Musket. Uh, that's how I found my way onto Substack, and uh, and like I said, it's 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 a it's a great source. I for me, it was it was the only source, uh, trying to figure out what was going on in between games. Uh, so yeah, so I would I would echo what 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 Seth said. It's a it's a 
great group. Uh, they put out outstanding content, and uh, I'm really excited to try and contribute to that uh, in a small way this season. And if you if you if you find me on uh, Substack, if you are also interested in racing, uh, I do have a, uh, a motorsport podcast as well. So if you're in the incredibly small slice of people that like soccer and motorsport, uh, you can check out my podcast over there as well if you are so inclined. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Aldonahue. Of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, wherever else. I think every social media we can find where you're trying to have some presence on. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out our friends Seth and Tom and everybody else at The Blazing Musket. Um, if you do sign up for the $5 a month, I can promise you you will not be disappointed. And I don't think you will leave after a month, even though Seth said you could and you could still win a fourth season <laughs> ticket. Um, it's, it's, it's worth a lot more than that. Thanks again for listening to Revolution Recap presented by Bet Online. We'll be back after the Revolution kickoff just next week uh, with another podcast.